0: What's up, everyone? This is Brian Ward, host of the Dad Up Podcast, the podcast show for dads, about dads, being dads. I'm super excited that you are here and for the guests that I have on the show today. But before we get to the interview, if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you smash that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Also, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. The link is in the show notes. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me once again. Um, you know we've we've been trying to get this show scheduled with this with this gentleman for uh, some time now, and I'm glad that we finally got it narrowed down to today. But I'm really happy that my good friend Sid McNary has joined me on Dad Up. Thank you for joining me, brother. Nice to see you.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Um, so Sid and I have kind of connected through, uh, we got our, you know, we built our connection through uh, Clubhouse originally and I've uh, just kind of grown since then. And I'm really excited. He's got a great story and I'm really excited that he is on to share his story and talk a little bit about the things that he's doing and all that. So Sid, you know, for my listeners who may not know who you are, uh, let's kind of go through a backstory, kind of how you grew up and um, and then obviously what you're doing today and then obviously about your kids as well.
1: Yeah, so I I'll say my backstory started obviously when I was born <laughs> in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and and I uh, was there for seven years, and and my parents moved us to Oakland, and then back to Baton Rouge, and eventually to Washington D.C., where I spent most of my years from seven until I left for college. Uh, when I left, I went to Purdue, and. Uh, continued in sports. Sports started for me at the age of seven and, and uh, at eight years old, I was introduced to meditation uh, because of the level of sports I was in. And, and so that, that helped uh, really guide my life. And, and everywhere I went, my high school football coach, my uh, collegiate coaches, and, and uh, they all taught meditation. So when I left uh, Purdue from playing soccer and started coaching football, I went to Eastern Illinois and my, when I was working on my master's degree, one of the professors said, Hey, you're going to teach everybody to meditate. Now, I I don't, I didn't feel like he knew what I had done in my past, but, uh, but somehow that was part of my journey. You know, Hmm. it was really that everybody would teach me that, but also I would learn to teach it and, and bring that forward, not only for, my family for myself, but for my community, you know, and, and having that, that connection to really a deeper knowing of how I'm creating everything in my reality. And it starts in my thoughts.
0: Okay. So you're, you're eight being taught how to meditate. I can't imagine trying to teach an eight-year-old how to meditate. Um, (laughs) So you learn it. I mean, for me as a grown adult, I mean, I'm not real good at meditation. I have a tendency, I, I have to be constantly doing something. I can't just sit still. How do, how do you teach somebody how to meditate? I mean, how does that, how, how does that work?
1: Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's really one and the same, whether I'm teaching it to someone who's older or, or a youngster. And I'd say the first thing is, you know, if I were to say to someone right now, all right, let's meditate and I just sat down and started meditating, they're going to look at me and say, all right, how, what's this guy doing? Right. <laughs> right. And, and a kid does that, especially because they're learning how to even move in the world. And so in that sense, I'd say that I must first embody it, you know, whatever that looks like. One of my teachers, Iyengar used to say when he was alive, he would say that for the first 30 years of anything connected to yoga and meditation is very much part of yoga. Uh, you are a beginner. And so for the first 30 years of meditating, I, I didn't come close to trying to teach it. It was mm-hmm. really about me learning. it. Now my children picked it up because they would be near me and they would just imitate it. Oh, I'm just supposed to sit still and I'll peek at dad and see if he's moving and all those things. And, and, uh, so I think that's the, that's the number one thing is, and that not just in meditation, but really, if I want to teach someone something, I choose to be it first.
0: Okay. All right. I got it. And now when it comes to you, you're mentioning your kids, how many kids
1: do you have again? How, what are their ages? Three, uh, I'm a 27 year old, a 24 year old and a 22, uh, two boys and then a girl.
0: Okay. And, and you, and they watched you meditate. They watched you do yoga and all that stuff. Um, Is that something that they got into or are they, are they doing it today? I mean, is that part of their, part of their regular routine?
1: Well, definitely uh, my oldest, it became really a part of his life. I mean, he grew up in football and then in the second half of his life was, well, not even the second half when he was eight years old, he was introduced to really into yoga be, more so than before because before when I was in football uh, when he was born it was pretty much the year before he was born I started doing yoga the asana practice okay so by the time he was aware of what he was watching he if he were in the living room and I, you know back then it was VHS tapes and and so I was doing yoga from a tape you know from a video and so he would see that and that became part of his awareness of, oh, this is just what, what people do. So then, uh, by the time he was, he started teaching when he was 13, uh, teaching to adults and kids. Oh, wow. and yeah. So, I mean, I remember, uh, I took him on the road. I was teaching in Connecticut when he was 14 and, uh, and i said to the teacher, I said, you know, my son could teach a class and, and he got paid like $140 for the hour. Right. So, so like for a 14 year old, that's, and most people, 140 an hour is pretty good right. for good change. Right. So, so he was like, yeah, I mean, that was kind of how I hooked him in to teaching was you can have money in your pocket. Nobody's going to give a 13 year old a job. Right. They're not going to give you a job, but I'll give you a job if you can teach. And so that was easy for me to convince him that he should do yoga. Right. Or teach yoga. And so then when I took him on the road, It was, uh, I said, okay, we've got the same name. So everyone showed up thinking I was going to teach, you know? So his name,
0: his name being Sid also.
1: Yeah, you got it. You got it. And, um, and so I was like, all right, I told the, the owner of the studio, I'm going to leave because I want him to just be able to teach. I don't want people to think, oh, why isn't Sid teaching? Whatever. And so when I came back, I got there early when he was done and they were like, we were really pissed that you weren't here. (laughs) That was absolutely amazing. You know? So that's awesome. uh, Yeah. So there was that. And then when he went away to play for one of my football players, he played at Western Michigan. He called home and was like, dad, I don't want to play football anymore. I want to, uh, I want to be able to just teach yoga and, uh and so he he came home and and eventually he bought me out of my yoga studio and and all those things and uh so it was really really pretty awesome
0: oh that's cool that's really cool and your how, how about your two younger ones are they are they into
1: it or not like he he is now they they did it you know my daughter my other one was six when he started my daughter was four uh they they, my middle son, he used it for football, especially uh, during that time to be limber and all those things. And when he stopped football, he started girls. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so yoga kind of he like if he came here and I said, I am going to do a yoga class, he would definitely go. Yeah. Yet It's not something he's working at. I think he probably stretches on his own, uh, but he doesn't uh, really get into yoga in that sense. And, and then my daughter used it. I mean, she's so flexible and became a cheerleader and all that stuff. And, uh, but neither one of them really do it now. Uh, they may, they may sit, they can, they can sit without their phones. That That's what I know. And <laughs> are they calling it meditation? I have no clue. <laughs>
0: uh, okay. Well, let me ask you this. Cause I- You know, as a coach, obviously you've coached before I've coached for, you know, 20 years, uh, you know, from youth all the way up to high school. And I've been told from time to time, I've actually considered it as a coach. I've recently retired, but I've actually considered as a coach in the past of introducing yoga to my players. And I think for coaches, um, it's a good opportunity to get these players into stretching and moving their bodies in, in helping their bodies really, um, you know, stretch and and work out. I mean, yoga is hard; it's it's a workout. Um, I'm curious, though. Uh, I know the importance of it, but you have to uh, explain to me the whole process of goat yoga. What in the world is? I know what it is, but I mean, why?
1: What is what is goat yoga, and what, what's that all about? Well, you know, I, I think anything can be good. I've never done it, so I can't even. I have no interest in, in having a goat run on my back. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I mean, you know, I go out in the ocean and I'm, I'm not d- diving off my surfboard to go swim with the dolphins, even though they're there. <laughs> right. So just because the goats are on land doesn't mean I got to do yoga with them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, fair enough. I was just curious to know if you knew. Um, but yeah, yeah I
1: mean, I will say, you know, like some people... Uh, really have uh, have a don't get to be around animals and things like that and so there is that that level of connection I think that is what some people are looking for when it comes to yoga yoga has been in my life so long I try to keep it away from any gimmicks you know like I'm not going to happy hour yoga if I want to go to Happy hour, I don't drink, but if I want to go to happy hour and hang out with my friends, I'm going to happy hour. I'm not going to, or we can go to yoga. you know right. I don't have to mix those two. So for me, yeah, I'm, I'm old school that way, and <laughs> my yoga practice is my yoga practice, and I'm practicing to better myself for life. right
0: right? Okay. So I don't
1: necessarily want to drink while I'm doing it.
0: fair enough. Um, all right. So let me, uh, let's kind of dive into the kind of the parenting side of things when it comes to, you know, teaching our kids about maybe yoga or even meditation for that matter. Um, let me ask you this. If a parent were to come up to you and go, Hey, Sid, I'm, I'm, I I know this is important, but I'm not really sure why this would be important for my kids. Why is meditation and yoga a good, good for us and good for our
1: children? Well, uh, in this world of everything's go, 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 go. Uh, it, when you're doing yoga, when I'm doing yoga, my phone, especially if I go to a yoga studio, my phone is away. Like, right? so it gives that time for me to disconnect from everything and be with myself. It's one major thing I love about surfing. I'm not taking my phone or electronics into <laughs> the ocean, right? Cause eventually they're not going to work. So I, I would say for, especially for the parents that are searching for how to get a disconnect for their kids, that's a big one. Like take them to a yoga class. Now, what I'll say is the parents that bring in their phone into the room, their kids are still connected to the phone too. (laughs) I'm a big proponent of, you gotta be what you want everybody else to be around you. Uh, So that's one, I mean, I've watched, over the years of, I mean, I taught yoga to our whole football team at Morgan state, right. For a couple of years. And, and we shifted the amount of injuries for the whole team. You know, Mm -hmm. we went from the second most injured team to the second least and went from losing to for 24 years to turning it into a winning program. And so there was that level of mindset that takes place that, that, doesn't necessarily happen without yoga you know it could but yet it's it's easier it was easier for me and our coaches to let our players become more focused by having them do an hour worth of yoga you know and so that was really another big deal um, at least for I watch my children I mean how many people can say they're twenty three year old bottom out of their business right, right. so that and my, my other son graduated number one in his class in engineering. My daughter graduated in three and a half from the university of Florida and went on to, she's now at Texas tech doing her thing with, um, in PA school. So in that sense, there's proof in the pudding, as we say, as coaches, you know? Right. So for me, putting 23 guys in the NFL, all of which that I taught at least meditation, a lot of them, I had gotten to a point of teaching them yoga, 23 out of 49, when they say one in 300 make it, there's a lot to that, you know, It it was something that they had that was different than most people. So having that place of stillness of mind and knowing how to direct myself and my kids knowing how to do that, I think is better for my life.
0: Yeah, I think for for our kids, especially now, I mean, maybe when you and I grew up, uh, we didn't have as uh, all the um, things around us when it comes to, you know, the electronics and all that there was, it's a lot easier for kids now to to see things, get, you know, get addicted to things, especially with electronics. Um, and I think when it comes, when I think about meditation, I, I think just what you said, it allows them to disconnect from that stuff and, and just be with themselves and really focus on and center on who they are. Uh, and I think that's not only is that, yoga being a part of their lives is good for their body to help stretch them and move them and and keep them, you know, as you were talking about, keep them injury free. But um, you know, the meditation side of things uh, really helps calm them uh, and helps them really focus on who they are. Uh, And I, I, I just see it as a huge benefit. It's something that I wish I would have taught my, my boys when they were younger um, and I didn't, but I wish I would have, uh, because I do see it as a, a very important part of our, our children's lives to kind of help them disconnect and just really be with themselves and, and help control their thoughts. Like you were talking about earlier, really, really learning their thoughts because our thoughts drive what we do, right? So learning their thoughts and how to control them, especially when they go through challenging times, um, where they have something come up at school or, or with their friends, you know, being in control of their thoughts and that, and I think that only helps, that only comes from really learning how to meditate and do it right and do it properly. Um, So uh, it's really cool. Um, When it comes to maybe tools and strategies that parents can use uh, to teach their kids how to do this, what kind of tools or strategies would you recommend?
1: Well, I've got several books that people can go and pick up, uh, Yoga and Life Empowerment, uh, the secret weapon which helps with meditation the warrior within all the path to peace all these different ways uh so and there's a lot of teachers out there that you know one thing i would say when it comes to finding someone to follow in anyway uh especially with children you know I think a lot of people take for granted how much an impact a coach can be mm. on all of us and so good or bad right Exactly. So making sure that I resonate and that I'm turning my children over to somebody I want them to emulate uh, is an important part of it. So finding someone that first and foremost that they relate to and is that's living the life that, that you want to see, you know, and if that's the case, then get behind that person, stay with them for a while, walk the walk, you know, it, it takes time. So I think. Uh, One thing for sure is that as a practitioner and as a parent, that I take responsibility for how things play out. And that means I've got to, for me, I pause and look at it and say, okay, what's this going to look like? What have I seen before? You know, like, what have I seen before of this person that, or, or another person? And now does this person look like that? And if so, and it's not where I want to go, then find another person, (laughs) you know, to actually think that we're gonna get something different when we keep seeing the same things uh, in so many different avenues is a mess to me, you know, Mm. like, let's start looking at, all right, what can we bring forward that we actually want to see?
0: And would you, uh, I'm sure you would agree that, you know, through emulation of us, how our kids see us and how we react to things or don't react to things. Um, I think it's super important. And I think that's a huge part of, you know, trying to teach them meditation or maybe yoga, you know, like you said, your, your kids watched you do it. Uh, they participated when they were younger, when you were doing yoga or meditating. Um, we talked about, um, yeah. I know you and I have talked about um, you know the quiet game, you know, who could be, who could be quiet the longest, you know, that kind of thing, you know, that teaches kids, Hey, uh, we're going to play this quiet game, but at the same time we're meditating right now and you don't even realize it because uh, we're playing the quiet game. Um, but I think that's, I, I think that's cool. And I think that's how kids really learn from us as parents is just kind of emulating uh, what we do. Um, and uh, super cool, super important. I know that when parents, have young kids particularly young kids that are playing maybe sports or in extracurricular activities uh there could tend to be a lot of chaos in the house things are busy things are moving we're constantly doing stuff for our kids we're constantly taking them here so there's this there's a sense of chaos at times in our home how do we as parents create a calm in the chaos of you know family life
1: well I learned, you know, there's this saying of Navy SEALs, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. So I remember when um, I was, my kids were really young and they were starting to go to school and on Fridays was the one day I would have the morning off early in the football season, after two days and all those things, right? So we'd have Fridays off because that would be a chance for us to reload after two days and get ready for the season ahead and recruiting and all those things. And my when we were at Morgan state and I was off on Friday and, and I'm, I'm like, I'm going to sleep an extra hour. And the house got chaotic, right? It was just like noise going, mom yelling, trying to get the kids out. We're going to be late, all this stuff. And finally the next week I said on Thursday, I said, all right, I'm going to take them and you just get ready. Obviously it wasn't going to be my peaceful day. So I'll create peace in the house and then I'll have peace. And so uh, I told the kids the night before, get your stuff out tomorrow. We're going to play a game. I'm, I'm into games, like Especially with kids. Cause if you make it a game, it becomes fun, even though they may be learning discipline. And so I said, so in the morning, we're going to play, we're going to be quiet. It's called the whisper game. And we're going to whisper everything and the idea is to be so quick that your mom when she comes to the car everybody has peace so they did that they got up they moved slowly they my daughter started crying cuz she couldn't reach the cereal and didn't know how to tell everybody cuz she's trying to whisper <laughs> and it was and and that became their way of being like really to be somewhat quiet and move slow enough that things get done easy and they were we were sitting in the car laughing i'm in the passenger seat because they're all in the back seat and then when their their mom was looking for everybody kind of still in a panic of what where are they i gotta go you know and then she came down and realized wait a minute they're already ready right yeah and 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 so that shifted our house like that became uh kind of a way of being for me when things get hectic i slow down and i get quiet i get more quiet if i need to speak to someone if i whisper they have to come down in their demeanor and Mm -hmm. meet me Mm -hmm. you know i love uh it was in gladiator was kind of the moment that i picked that up he was you know sitting with maximus They just came from war. He's trying to tell Maximus he's going to take over and be the Caesar and all this stuff. And they're already talking about something very important. And he said, let's have a whisper. And they got really quiet. And that whisper caused them to really focus in on each other Mm. here. Right. And so I took that on as, okay, this is how I can bring more peace into the midst of chaos. And I've done it with football teams, basketball teams, with my own children, with yoga studios, all those different things, slow and smooth, smooth as fast. Mm-hmm. So before I slow down and, and take the precise steps as opposed to hectic, moving around, trying to rush, and now we forgot something, we're two blocks down the street, we got to turn around and go, go get the balls. Then it's like, all right, did we really just speed up going nutty? No. <laughs> So I really, uh, that's something I just take on. And I, I think most parents get more amped to get things mm-hmm. moving faster, which actually causes a disruption and slows things down. So in the midst of chaos, especially I slow down and get precise. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I like that because, uh, I think when I think about my own family, um, I think about the times that there's been chaos within the house. And it's interesting when you take on that role of just kind of slowing down and being quiet, how quickly the mood with everybody else changes or shifts and how quiet the home does become, or that chaos that was there does, does kind of quiet down. Uh, I, I think about my wife's a school teacher and she's had times in the past, you know, teaching younger kids where she'll, there'll be so much chaos in the classroom that she'll lower her voice, not quite a whisper, but she'll lower it down. She's not yelling at them to quiet down and get seated, but she'll lower her voice so quietly that they have to stop the chaos in order to hear what she's saying when she's talking and it's it's crazy how quiet the classroom gets so they can hear her and she's literally calmed the chaos so uh that's 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 a great great uh point and uh well said
1: um, I, mean, I used to even do this thing with my children especially in my second marriage i had three kids and she had three kids so six kids in a house that know each other it's like a pack of freaking wolves <laughs> And, uh and they they can plot against you they got it all they're it, it's on and we created a meditation room and if we said that if any of the kids were ever in trouble and getting and it felt way too much they could say i'm gonna go meditate and they could go to the room and just sit and meditate hmm. and and get out of that chaos and that that's something that I kept with me after we got divorced I kept with me anyway like all right. And I don't have to necessarily go to the meditation room to do it. I can be in a heated situation and I can just pull back and and come into myself so that it shifts like you said your wife did in the classroom. And and that's that's just a tool that anyone can do. But it has to be practiced. You know, it, it isn't practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. I've got to put it into practice. I've got to keep going until I get it to be perfect, at least to where I want it to be. And so all those little tools, I mean, we use, in my house, we have a Native American talking stick. If things are hectic, we sit down, we take the stick out, and we say, okay, if you don't have the stick, you don't talk. Here's what we're talking about, pass the stick. Now, everybody gets the stick, but you don't get to, you don't get to talk until the stick comes back to you. So you have to sit and actually reflect and be inside of myself before I speak about something that I may have even started as the conversation. Now I've got to listen to everybody. And so then that that trans transferred with me into my life to I can listen and evaluate without the need to just be reacting over and over. So there's a lot of different tools that people can put into play. and, And those are a couple that I use.
0: It's interesting that you bring up the talking stick. I mean, the the take the stick because uh, you, I've, I've been in a few of your rooms on clubhouse where you do, you do do that process where it's, in in Clubhouse, for those of you that don't know in clubhouse, you know you're in a room, virtual room essentially with people other people and and you can hear them talk and speak and share you know ideas or whatever it is that the topic is. Uh, but he runs Sid runs rooms that, that they actually do do that. I'll take the stick. That's what the next person says. I'll take the stick. and then it's their turn to talk and everybody else is quiet. So you do that same same practice in clubhouse. so. Uh, that's cool.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I mean, wherever I am, that's who I am. You know, <laughs> I, I, my players used to come to my house when they would first come and, and uh, we'd bring like all of my football players to the house and have a dinner. And they'd be like, coach, you're a coach at home? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm a coach at home. I'm Sid. So wherever I go, I'm Sid. And now, you know, in life, what that's done for me is if it's not working, I shift how Sid is being right? And if it is working, why wouldn't I bring it everywhere I go? So it just works like that.
0: Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Um, for dads, uh, now speaking as a dad, I've never, I've never, uh, I've done yoga before. Um, and it was very tough, very hard, uh, because I, you know, my wife and I did a little, uh, we had like a little group on thing where we did like a 30 or 60 day thing where we were going to yoga, um, once or twice a week. And, uh, it was tough. It was hard to learn, um, but I enjoyed it because it, it it there was this kind of this calmness or this peacefulness around it. Uh, even though you're stretching and moving your bodies in ways that you didn't realize you could, uh, or maybe uncomfortable, but there's a sense of calmness or peace peacefulness around it. When it comes to meditation, I've been there. Have been times for and I'm just talking for myself, but there have been times where I have you know just sat and just been quiet and just you know thought about different things that are coming up in my mind uh, and that tends to get a little difficult for me because i've had you know anxiety or stress over different things so i'm my mind's constantly running when i try to get quiet but for dads you know if they want to take on maybe meditation um why is that good for us as dads to uh to really you know i guess practice that or at least attempt to practice that
1: well i'd say for for one um If for some reason, someone doesn't have peace in their life, that's a great place to start. Mm -hmm. It's just having peace inside of themselves. And so um, that's one. Second, I like to, I know the power. I ask people this often when I'm coach, when I first start coaching with them, do you know the power of your thoughts? Most people say yes. And I'll say, what do I mean? Well, my thoughts create my reality. All right, so then why would I allow myself to have anything but a positive thought if I know it's creating my reality? Now, meditation gives me the space to witness my thoughts so that if I'm having a repetitive thought, which would be in the subconscious mind, if I'm having repetitive thoughts that continue to create this world that I no longer wish to have around, I want to be able to see them so I can shift that. If I'm in a marriage that's struggling, if I'm having altercations with my children, everything comes from a thought. Or I wouldn't even see it that way. Like I, I could see someone angry and I could react to them and get in a fight with them, or I could have compassion for them. Both of those interactions come from my thoughts. And so I choose, that's what meditation has done for me. It's, it's given me the ability to observe my thoughts and choose how I want to entertain my thoughts. And, and so for dads, I mean, I, I think it's so easy to get lost in the, the workload of the day. Mm-hmm. Not that every dad works and, and it's okay if they don't, or not that every woman doesn't work and it's okay if they do. And so, uh, yet, yeah, in this life where most people are working, most houses have two people working. And so if they have two people working and they come off of work, how do they get back to center and find peace at home? To me, that's meditation. And that can, that can come in many different forms, sitting, being, passing a talking stick, you know, creating that uh, way of being that gives gives breath to the moment, you know, he breathed the word. So I'm breathing into existence, how things are happening. If I'm hectic on the inside, I'm creating a hectic life. That's why I love these schools that have uh, the children. Now the tension is go sit in meditation.
0: Mm.
1: You know, in, in India, one of my uh, meditation teachers was going ji he teaches, uh, he taught at the time, he's no longer alive, Vipassana, it's called Vipassana meditation. And when people would go to prison, they would teach them Vipassana. Now, Vipassana at that level, you're in a cell that's literally, you can only sit down or stand up, can't lay down. They put you in a cell that big. It's a box. Oh, Oh, wow. And you have to go in there and observe yourself so you're in there for like an hour and then you come out and they teach you and their percentage of returnees of criminals is way less than gosh i think it's like not even a quarter of what we have Mm -hmm. because they they most people are not looking to be complete jerks and like, they're being a jerk because they want to get something, and so if the chaos continues to bring them in chaos, they don't even know how to get to that something. But they keep doing what they know, and that's that's why it's so important to me. You know, especially for someone who um, I, I I had a I had a great childhood, and also had moments of things that were different. Everybody does. Everybody mm-hmm. has something. And so with that being said, I could have just put that on my children. Right. And I chose to figure myself out, which looked like going deeper into looking at me, which is meditation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think about, uh, you know, if I were to sit and really think or or attempt to meditate, um, I think that I would have a lot of the thoughts that would at least this is what I would think would happen. A lot of the thoughts within my mind would that would pop up would be those that are the most stressful or those that are the, that cause me the most anxiety uh, or, you know, the busyness of, of the day. Um, How do I control that? I mean, how do, how do, I mean, dads, like we were talking, we're talking specifically to dads, but this is really for moms too. How do we control those thoughts? Like I've got a million things going on in my mind right now and I'm stressed about these, these handful of items. How do I control those things when I'm, when I'm trying to meditate?
1: So first I'll say this. Meditation isn't a matter, isn't about, for me, some people might say it differently. Meditation is about being able to observe my thoughts, not, not to stop my thoughts. If I stop my thoughts, I could become brain dead. (laughs) That's not cool. (laughs) And so I just want to observe them as opposed to fighting them. If I'm fighting a thought, like here's a thought, I want to stop it. I'm thinking, I'm creating another thought in order to do that, right? So that's one is just let go of the idea of I need to shut my thoughts off, but watch them. And now when a thought comes up, it's like watching a movie there goes the subtitles, let it go by, and now sit in the gap, the space between the thoughts. And if another thought comes up, watch it, subtitles, let it go by, go back to the gap. So that's a simple way of saying that. Now, for someone that may still be saying, well, that's great, but I still, I got too many to do that. So then there's tools to use and every tool is only, if you can perceive it, it's not really you go deeper. So once I know it, go deeper than that. So one that I would say that uh, that I use is called tapping. And let's say I have, I want to let go of anxiety and I'm like, I want peace. So I'll create a mantra that might be, I am peace. And then I'll go through different tapping spaces uh, and like, first is tapping with your opposite hand on your pinky side of your of your dominant side hand and you're tapping and I'm repeating four times I am peace I am peace and I'm breathing with it breathe in I am peace next time I breathe in I am peace and then I go to the next spot tapping on my eyebrow then tapping on the outside of my eye, under my under my nose on my chin inside edge of my collarbone under my arm top of my head and and someone can go to my website and pick all that up Uh, and i'll send you the link that you could put with this as well uh yet that space of tapping what it does now is i've taken my brain that if i'm having that chatter going on and i'm giving it direction i'm giving it something to, to think about i am peace and now when i'm tapping i'm actually creating i'm using my left hand tapping my opposite side so i'm creating a firing in my brain that is shifting the energy across too so all that time for someone that is struggling with just sitting i can sit for a couple hours without a thought you know i've worked on that it's it's a muscle that i that i've worked on strengthening it wasn't always like that or there's been times that it's been different than that but I continue to work on that. I wake up every day in between 4 and 5 a.m. and I go sit for an hour before I start my day. So then I'm training myself to be in that state of peace. So that when I go out, if something comes at me that I might react on a normal basis from, I now have given myself the tool to be still enough to let go of that need to react. And now, I become responsible. I'm response able. I'm able to respond to something in front of me from a conscious place of how I want to move forward. Uh, so that that's how you know. In this short short bit of time, uh, that would be my first thought for someone is okay. Start with tapping, and create the mantra every time you sit down and go through the different places. And now just sit, just sit and be still after you've done that and let that grow. It could be one minute, it might be two minutes, it might be five, no matter what it is, just taking that little bit of time is a big help along the way.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Um, So essentially, you're through the tapping, you're creating a, uh, like you, you you referred to it as a firing mechanism. So when you're having these these anxiety thoughts or these stressful thoughts and you create that tapping mechanism where it's you know you're tapping your arm or you're tapping your eyebrow or top of your head it's triggering your mind to go okay i'm tapping now somebody may look at you funny like what is that dude doing? it tapping my head and that triggers to i am i am peace well
1: those are all all the things i went through they're all meridians okay meridians in your body so you're actually almost programming each meridian to get in sync with your breath with the mantra and creating that inside you know it's a whole energy thing i mean anyone can google tapping and it'll give all the different uh reasons of why but it energetically it's shifting on a cellular level for somebody uh, and so bringing that forward is why i do that
0: oh that's interesting and do you recommend um meditation every day twice a day best in the morning best or better better to do it at night is there is there a time frame or when to do it or you just do it when you when you feel the need uh,
1: different reasons when i wake up in the morning i want to create the space for my day but meditating at night and you know a lot of people pray before they go to bed that's a meditation it's just it's a It's a way of speaking to the creator. Meditation is a way of listening. So I I am constantly aware that I am in communication with something bigger than myself. And so, um, yes, I recommend doing it first thing in the morning. And yeah, I don't care if it's two minutes just to start before moving around, you know, sit up first thing in the bed in the day and put your feet on the ground and sit for Seven breaths and start with that, you know, and let go of the idea that there's a reason why you can't do it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get caught in that. When I do stuff at night, I why do I continue to speak to the creator at night or pray? Is because the last thought I have going to sleep is the first one I wake up with. So I like to know, you know, if people are having nightmares, we'll call it. What is, what's the thought that's creating the nightmare? There's something going on. And everyone's probably running in their head right before they go to sleep. So I, I do this thing where I'll take a glass of water. I'll hold the glass of water, knowing Dr. Emoto, the program of water and the study of water. And I'll say what I want. I'll put the water to the side, go to sleep. When I pick up the water, the first thought that comes in my head is, oh, yeah, I was thinking about this. So then I drink the water, I program the water. It's it's just there. It's a simple way for me to remind myself. But all these things can be done without the water. Like that's called praying, right? Then I can even do that without getting on my knees. I can do that when I'm in the day, but I got to create that, that, uh, that discipline. I have so much peace in my life because I've been a disciple of peace. I, I've disciplined myself to learn what peace looks like and to move accordingly. And so it's all a practice and, and life is a practice, you know. If you're not practicing and you're just living, then life's just coming at you. Right. It's this. And I choose <laughs> to step into life with accountability for how it's showing up for me.
0: Yeah, um, you, you mentioned in there breathing Uh, And I know that breathing is a big part of meditation and and actually breathing's really, there's, there's different breathing techniques you can do um, to help with anxiety and stress and all that. Uh, But how do you, how do you incorporate breathing into your meditation? I think that's important for for parents to really uh, understand because it it is a huge role in how our body uh, reacts or doesn't react to things is, is our breathing and, and breathing techniques. So how do you, I mean, give us give some word on that.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll say this first. Um, I watched. Uh, I don't know if you watched March Madness. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not really into the name. <laughs> yeah, March March basketball, right? Championship run. Right. Uh, and uh, and when I watched Coach K, because it was like, hey man, this is the this is history. Like this is this dude's last go round. When their team would come up to the free throw line they would pause, take a deep breath, get centered, and then they would shoot. And they, they, they made most of their free throws. But they would get themselves so centered and at peace before shooting that they could get in their mechanics and put it right in the hoop. So breathing, yes, it's a very important part because if I'm not breathing, my body's already tightening. My constriction mm-hmm. is happening on the inside. If I'm breathing, Everything becomes more expansive. It gets into a place of peace. When it comes to the meditation system that I teach, there's four pillars to uh, the foundation. Stillness, got to get still first. Because everything, every movement I make is a thought. So if I get still, I can actually start to observe my mind. The second one, the second part of that foundation is breathing and we call it your awakening breath. And it's breathing in for a four count, notice the pause and then breathe out for a four count and sit in the pause. And that way of breathing becomes synchronistic with uh, your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. And when my nervous system's in balance, it's actually creating a sense of peace on the inside of me too. Not only do I use that breath in my meditation, anytime that I feel distracted, I go back to that breath because it centers me. Uh, so yes, it's a very important part of it. And then after I go into breath, then the last two is getting into your heart space, getting into my heart where all of creation happens within me. And then from there, I go and observe my mind and practice no mind.
0: Hmm. Okay. That's good. I think it's, um, as I said, when it comes to our breathing, uh, there's been times where, you know, my wife and I, we see a marriage coach and, um, we, when we talk to her, um, we don't talk to her about, you know, we, t- we don't have problems. So we talk to her is just kind of make sure we don't have problems. Right. Uh, but when I've talked to her before, I've talked to her a lot about, you know, the anxiety and stress that I I have in my life. And she has really tried to get me to really understand my breathing. And when these anxieties come up or the stress comes up to really focus in on that breathing. And I think she's really trying to say what you're saying is, is once you focus in on your breathing, it'll help you become more at peace within yourself and help you become centered and allow you to really start to control your thoughts and really understand what those thoughts are that are coming into your head. So um, for parents that may not know or have never looked into it, if you're going through the stress or anxiety, or you have chaos within your home Uh, just try the breathing techniques. You can Google breathing techniques and uh, there's a billion things on on the internet about uh, different breathing techniques. But, you know, he talks about four breaths in, pause, four breaths out, pause. Those kind of things are super important. And if you're not familiar with it, I highly recommend it. And, And I know as someone who, like Sid, who has taught yoga and meditation all of his life can attest to the breathing and proper breathing and breathing technique can really help cause or create calm or peacefulness within yourself uh, and really uh, start to control your thoughts and uh, essentially controlling those anxieties or stresses that come up. So uh, that's really good. Um, For my listeners who want to look you up, learn a little bit more about you, maybe pick up uh, your books or um, learn some of these different techniques, best places for them to do that.
1: Well, I'd say the first is to go to artofpeacefulliving.com. And on artofpeacefulliving.com, they can find meditation, all the different things. I know this is Dad's Up podcast. Uh, we've got a men's group that takes place for a quest for peace for men, uh, where guys come together and and really learn to walk in all these different ways and gain tools. And and they can find that on the website under events and things like that, as well as people can go to sidmcnary.com and, and track what, what we're up to and all the many things to come.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll make sure to uh, put those links in the show notes uh, so that way people can check it out. Um, But yeah, definitely, uh, definitely check out his, uh, both his websites. And uh, obviously he's on Instagram as well. Um, and you can find him there. He's good. He posts a lot of stuff on his Instagram, but Sid, um, it, obviously you and I have known each other for a while. I appreciate our friendship, appreciate who you are and the and the person that you are, not only the the husband, but the dad that you are and the way that you're trying to create a better life for not only for yourself, but those around you that you impact. So I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, uh, to come on Dad Up and share these tools and techniques with parents. I really do appreciate it, my friend.
1: Yeah, it's been great. It's been great. And I look forward to Many moments to come, so I appreciate you.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you guys very much for joining me and Sid on another episode of Data. Um, once again, I want to thank my good friend Sid Mary for joining me. And guys, make sure you guys are checking out his website, uh, both of his websites. Go to his Instagram, check out things that he's doing. Make sure you're following him. Um, but uh, if you if you're finding that you need more calm in the chaos of family life. um, Certainly check out what he's doing because he can really provide the tools, tips, techniques, things that you need that can really create that calmness within your family. So I hope that you guys do that. I hope you guys take that opportunity because it's not only good for you, but it's good for your kids. And uh, as always, like I say, Make sure you guys are subscribing to my YouTube channel, to the podcast, so you don't miss a single episode with fabulous, fabulous guests like Sid. Uh, come on and share these different techniques to help us become better parents. And I look forward to seeing you all on the next episode of Dad Up. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. Make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast and YouTube channel. And please do me a favor, leave a rating and a review. Would love to hear from you and see what you think of the show. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes each week. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Data Podcast.